Good evening and welcome to Shifting Gears. I'm Paul. And I'm Isaac. We are just a couple of your average car guys who just know a little bit too much about cars. Just a little too much. And we want you to know more. Yeah, so we have started this podcast and we're going to give it a shot, try something new, um, bring some insight into the car industry and just talk about it. Learn something new every day. Yes, you do. So... What should we start with, Isaac? We should start, well, so people don't know us, so we should give a little introduction. Um, We're both engineers from the greater West Michigan area. Yes. And both engineers in the auto industry. Yes. So, not for direct manufacturers, but tier ones. Tier and tier two. Yep. I work for a company that makes car lights. Yep, interior lighting. Interior lighting. And some accents. Yeah, that's how Paul and I met. Yeah, that's where we met. So I was an intern there, and so, so was he. I. Now he's and not. We dis- neither am I. Both discovered that we both drove '80s sports cars, and they both required lots of fixing. And his slightly more than mine. Mine just a lot more. But that's that's another story. That is another story. So I do uh, prototype engine testing. So that's kind of fun. So yeah, Paul yeah. knows a lot more than I do, but he can't say so. Yeah, I can't. I can't tell you everything I know. Otherwise, I have to kill y'all, and that's going to hurt our viewership. That will hurt it quite so, a bit. But we should we should thank the people that are, that yeah. are listening. Yes, thank you for listening. So Paul's grandma. Yeah, thank thanks, you. thanks, Grandma Ruth, because we know you're listening. Yep, we do. So, and and thanks, Isaac's dad. <laughs> yep, we got two listeners. Woo! <laughs> Yay us! All right, Yay us. Now that we're done being dorks, let's talk about what we drive. <laughs> what we drive. So, Paul, why don't you start us off? All right. So, my what is in your garage? What is in my garage? Well, nothing I owns in the garage because everything my parents owns in the garage. So, um, but that's not. Is well, what about, I have one car inside an enclosed trailer. Okay, that counts. So that one is my oddest car, and we're going to save that for last because yeah. that's more fun. My daily driver is a very depressing, but more fun than you would think, 2005 Toyota Corolla S with the five-speed manual. It is not an XRS. It's not an XRS. Just so, an S so I just have the one ZZ, not the two ZZ. Depressing, but I can have a lot of fun with that 135 horsepower. Actually, we had fun in it about 10 minutes ago. Yeah, we were doing some uh, some donuts in the local parking lot. Yeah, so you can have it has enough power to have fun, but not enough that you feel like you're having more fun than you should. See, Paul's and my definition of having fun in cars is vastly different. And you're going to discover that over the next few podcasts. Yeah, we we basically don't agree on anything car related. So, I think the minimum amount of power a car should have is 600 horsepower. And I disagree with that completely. It's like 120. So, but moving on, my next vehicle is a 1993 Ford F-150 that has six inches of lift, 35-inch Mickey Thompsons, a five-speed manual, and a built 300 straight six that puts out about 250 horsepower and 400 foot pounds of torque and it's a lot of fun it kind of got to mess with it once in a while because that motor was not meant to be pushed to those kind of power numbers and it's not always happy at those kind of power numbers so it's got i put forty thousand miles on that engine and that involved one head gasket with some head studs due to some bad gas and 
the fact I have 11.5 to 1 compression ratio on a 300 straight 6. But that's another story also. And then I have a 1985 Toyota pickup that is... So it's the last straight axle. That one is carbureted. It's got the 22R E on this R. My last pickup had a 22RE, but that was my daily driver before my Corolla, which was sold to finance other endeavors. But um, <clears throat> um, the uh, the old pickup. The pickup is in many pieces. You it, should probably mention. Yeah, that. that's what I was going to talk about. It okay. uh, um, it is completely disassembled right now for a frame swap that's taking longer than it should. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about that. It's because I'm poor. Don't have any time. <laughs> so if anyone wants to... Don't you have a frame? I bought a frame that I thought was good because the frame that it came with was shot. So I bought a frame that I thought was good, but after I got it sandblasted, it had way more holes than I thought it did. Oh, really? You didn't tell me that. And then I went to try to patch it at work, and that had some issues, and then I quit jo- that job and moved to a different job, which is not as lenient with their machine okay. job. So, I have to buy another frame. So, if anyone out there has a 1985 solid axle four-wheel drive Toyota frame they want to get rid of, send us an email at shiftinggears at podcast at gmail.com. That's S-H-I-F-T-N. Gears podcast at gmail.com. But, moving on from that, my other vehicle, the the other slightly more... Uh, odd vehicle. Well, the most odd vehicle. Yeah, the most odd. This is the oddest of them all. Is my 1982 Renault Fuego Turbo. There's still one of them out there. With I've ni- seen it. With 90,000 original miles. And probably the cutest little boost gauge you'll ever see. It, it's adorable. It's right under the radio and it goes to 8 pounds. Yeah, and then you have to almost like look under the dashboard to see it. So that car is not currently running, but... I hope to have it running in the next three years. Why Why do you have that car, Paul? Um, so, um, Short story, long story, I'll let you decide. So my grandpa bought all of my cousins on that side of the family their first car. And they are all 10 to 15 years older than I am. And he passed away when I was in fourth grade. And his last remaining car was this Fuego. Was it running at that point? Um, I think it might have been running okay. at that point. Um, it was not licensed, but I think it ran. Um, my uncle took it to store it, but it was he it became my car, and it's, it resides at my uncle's house currently in Arkansas. So, yeah, there is a Fuego in Arkansas, and the license plate reads 123-BOP. Bop. 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 Interesting. But um, it uh, it was left to me because my grandpa bought all my other cousins' cars, and I was not old enough yet for a car in fourth grade. So I now have a 1982 Renault Fuego curse slash blessing. I'd say more curse, but yeah. So we'll see what happens to that car, but see. it's not going. It's rust-free. It's not going anywhere. But And then... I kind of have a half car. Me and my dad have a 76 early Bronco that we've been working on together since I was in fourth grade. So that one's been, it's a off-road fun toy, but we have a lot of fun with that. Me and my dad do. So that's a, it's not technically mine, but it's my car. So he's going to hate me when he hears that. 
So, but though that is my entourage of semi crappy vehicles. What's yours, Isaac? What's mine? Um, so I do not have as many as Paul, um, but I am a fundamental believer that the more cars, the better. The number of cars you need is the number of cars you have plus one. Plus one. Yeah, I like that. You know, I've uh, I've actually put it as how many different ways can I get to work? And there's seven days of the week. Granted, I only work five days of the week. You're only allowed to work six. You're only allowed to work six, yes. So that means if I want to have a different car for every day of the week, I should have six different modes of transportation, right? But you do live close enough to walk. I I live like a mile from work, and I have six Down a 25-mile-an-hour, very unbusy car road. And I have six different modes of transportation. Uh, Regardless, uh, my daily driver, which is the newest addition to my stable, is... 2002 Saturn SE2 Coupe. <laughs> yes. I love my Saturn. They're, I love to hate on the Saturn. Paul hates the Saturn. It is... I I think his Corolla is boring, and he thinks my Saturn is ugly. Just terrible, boring. terrible. Uh-huh. What, what are your neighbors doing? I don't know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from Moving the weird noises on. coming from yeah. the neighbor's house. <laughs> Um, but actually today marks the 11th year that my family has had the car. So it's family day. There's a a story why I know that, but I won't. It's a gotcha day. It's, I like family day better. I've adopted cousins, so I'm going to go gotcha day. Gotcha day. My grandma's going to like gotcha day better too. I've adopted cousins and we'd say family day. Oh, it must be an (laughs) Iowa thing. Yeah, I'm not from Michigan. Uh, but the car has been in my family for the last 11 years, and it's got low miles, only has 138,000, and runs like runs like a top, but burns a lot of oil, about half a quart every couple weeks. But that's typical for a Saturn. But it, it was my first car, and it was my sister's first car, and my other sister's first car, and then my parents were like, we don't want it anymore, they're going to get rid of it, and I just come part with it. And I have it, and it is glorious. I love it. It's it's perfect for me. It's got the third door, which is really handy. It's, the third door, I'll admit, is kind of interesting. That's what like makes the car. You can fit so much in the car. It's just it makes so much sense. Um, which actually, fun fact: yesterday I fit twenty five hundred Ford Mustang sill plates in the trunk of the Saturn to deliver them. So twenty five hundred sill 2, plates. Twenty five hundred. Yeah, you can't fit any more than that. But, yeah, so I got Saturn. Um, needs a little bit of suspension work, and we'll talk about that later. And I've got some ideas what I want to do with it. Well, that's another episode. That's another of episode. Upgrading crappy cars. Yes, upgrading crappy cars. Paul and I want to do a comparison between my 2002 Saturn and his 2005 Corolla. So if you're interested in hearing about early 2000s economy car builds, <laughs> stick around. Yes, <laughs> super exciting. Yes. Uh, my next car... Um, which I don't drive a whole lot, is a 2016 Mazda 6. Um, it's a Touring with the manual, one of the few with the manual. Um, it was really hard to find. Love that car. It drives amazing. Um, well, I should say it's the best driving car I've ever driven. So that's where my bar set. But, yeah, I really like that car. Um I mainly just put a lot of highway miles on it, which is really unfortunate because it handles way too nice, um, and it just sits in the garage. Uh, Whose fault is that? It's for I hit 
there's madness. There's how do you, how do I say it? Method to my madness. Yeah, method to my madness. I want to keep it for a long time, so I want it to be nice for a long time. <laughs> Anyways, moving past that. Um, and my last car is. Uh, it has similarities to the Saturn. It is also another plastic body GM vehicle. That's no longer manufactured. It's no longer manufactured. And the brand no longer exists. So it is not another Saturn. Um, the engine's in the wrong spot. They Yeah, when that car ended, the Saturn began. It birthed life, we'll say that. Um, it's a 1988 Pontiac Fiero Formula. Um, which my dad bought when I was, I think, 12 or 13. I, can, I can't really quite remember the year. But, yeah, I've had the car since then. Um, completely have taken every nut and bolt off that car, many of them more than once. Uh, got me through college. Some of them came out on their own. Yes, they did. Uh, Paul helped me fix the suspension once. One of the <laughs> control arm bolts just... Worked itself loose. <laughs> you don't need And those. I drove from Iowa to Michigan like that. You don't need control no, arm bolts. Completely ruined Pointless. the tire. <laughs> but that's, yeah. That's another story that's for another, another time. That's another story another time. We could just sit here and talk about car stories all night long. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, drove it all through college. Um, moved out to Michigan after school and got a different car, which I don't have. and uh, Which I liked a lot. <laughs> that's a different time as well um i didn't like the car at all uh sorry dad uh <laughs> <laughs> um but it uh yeah fiero i i love the fiero that car will be with me until i die unfortunately it you're probably gonna die in it i probably will die in it it's a blessing it's actually more of a curse than a blessing it's a typical 1980s general motors product which means a lot of stuff on it breaks quite frequently. Um, you don't go more than 20 miles without your tool bag in the trunk or a handful of spare parts. So if you know anything about Fieros, this is a place to be because I know quite a bit about Fieros. So I love Fieros. Um, His Fiero is in a calendar. It is in the 2016, 16? yeah, 2016 Fiero store calendar. Mine is in the month of August. So, fun fact. August rush. Trying to get it also on the Rock Auto magnet, but I haven't heard anything about that. I think the Fuego needs to get on a Rock Auto magnet. You got to put Rock Auto parts on the Fuego first. I bought some. Did you install them on it? What did you buy for the Fuego? Spark plugs. Oh, that's right. I couldn't get them out. I really felt like they were going to snap off in the head, so I just quit. Wait, yeah. I think you should just ditch that motor and... I think it needs a Ford 2.3 EcoBoost and a rear-wheel drive swap. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. That would be that would be a hoot. That would be a riot. Because it would be reliable and fun and weird. You'd probably want to rip all the electric out, too. And then at that point, you should just get a different car. But it's Grandpa's. Yeah. So we have lots of sentimental arguments. Yeah, we do. I mean, most of my car buying is all around feelings. Feelings, yeah. But that's what cars are. They're, they're emotional. Feel you. Hey, cars are emotional, Paul. Cars, I, cars are, are emotional. They give me lots of emotions, mainly rage and happiness. <laughs> 
Same. Mainly no, rage. nothing in the middle. Just happiness or rage. Yeah, my fear is like that. I get lots of anger with it, and then I drive it, and I'm very glad I own the car. Looking it on, handles really well. Look, when I was rebuilding my uh, F-150 motor the first time, I threw a couple ratchets across the entire backyard. Yeah. Because it was just a bad day. Yeah, that's pretty typical. So, now we should move on to what the focus of this show is. Yes. Well, not the whole podcast, but the focus of this this specific one is the NAIAS, or the North American International Auto Show. Or Detroit. Or Detroit 2019 Special. Special edition. So, by the time you're listening to this, the show's probably, it's long been over with. Um, But we're still going to, Paul and I are there, uh, first day, first opening day. Yeah, for the um, public. For the public. Because you guys don't listen to us enough yet because we don't have any podcasts, so we couldn't get into Industry Day. Yeah, no Industry Day But next year we could get into Industry Day if you guys support us. Yeah, we could be For June. For June 2020. That's weird, but we can make (laughs) it happen. So you guys help us out, we'll make it happen. Uh, But we were there, we toured the whole show, and... And honestly, my initial thoughts of the show were it was good. Um, it was, it was sad. It was sad from the point it just kind of felt empty. Uh, empty, yeah. I mean, the first time I went, it was amazing, and I feel like every year I've been after that, for it's the just la- slowly, slowly depreciating. Yeah, depreciating. So hopefully June will revitalize that. Yeah, but that's so. not the point of this show. No. We're supposed to talk about what was awesome and not awesome. About NAIAS of 2019. So, Paul, what what were your favorite, your most favorite cars of the show? My most favorite cars of the show were, first and foremost, the new Ford GT500 for a couple reasons. One is the GT500 car was the first car that I ever really experienced raw horsepower and speed in my grandpa bought one of the first ones in 2007 when they were re-released and that was a life-changing moment for me his car had to sit in the local um ford dealership for a couple months for media purposes or advertising whatever when he bought it so me and him would go in there and sit in the car and that was just so exciting and then he finally got it and that car was just pure raw speed and that was the greatest thing so seeing it re-release was awesome but also i've got to do some testing on the engine for that car so it was cool to see something that i've been testing and working on Did you say that yeah so i'm not i don't i can't tell people how much horsepower it makes but i probably shouldn't tell you that either but uh, uh it's been really cool to watch that happen um the other car which I'm kind of mad that I liked, but I did like it, was the new Gladiator. Why are you mad that you liked it, Paul? Because I have, being a Bronco guy, I, I'm obligated to not like Jeeps. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Bronco guys and Jeep guys were just two different people. One of us has a V8 and one of us doesn't. Yeah. And one of us has Dana 44s. I wonder if... And it- now you can kind of get those in a Jeep, but... What I forget doesn't the Dana Forty Four come in the standard in the Gladiator? Come standard in the Gladiator in the Rubicon. In the Rubicon, okay. So, but um, so I thought the Gladiator was cool. I don't like the three six Pentastar that's in it, but that's another story of Fiat Chrysler issues. But um, if someone wants to give us a Gladiator to try out, we would love that. We would. I would do whatever you want. I'll go to Silver Lake with it, or just drive it on the road. However you want me to drive it, I'll drive it. 
But, if you want us to go to the store and haul stuff, we will do whatever. Yep. But that, I really did think the Gladiator was a cool vehicle. I yeah. thought it looked sharp. I thought it looked utilitarian enough to be useful. You know, you can I can throw my quad in the back of it. Yeah. Skis. That was a nice size. Bikes. Whatever. Go up and go mountain biking for a weekend. Skiing in the winter. It looked useful. It had a big enough towing capacity where I could tow my Razor behind it or snowmobiles, whatever. But um, I really like the look of the Gladiator. Um, I thought that was a nice vehicle. Um, and my third favorite vehicle there was something that I typically would not be super excited about because I don't get super excited about SUVs and, you know, kind of boring daily driver cars like my Corolla. <laughs> but um, is the uh, new Lincoln Aviator. I thought that was a very cool new vehicle. So these are my favorite new vehicles. I had favorite vehicles there that weren't brand new. But um, I thought the Aviator was a stunning. I thought it was stunning, and I really think it knocked a new XT6 out of the freaking ballpark. Yeah. But um, I thought it was stunning. The interior was gorgeous. Um, it was just a a beautiful car that I'll probably never be able to afford. You never know. You could strike it rich. I could strike it rich, but that'll come with the help of you guys, the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Make me rich. Uh, for me, um, going off the backs of Paul, the Gladiator was one of my favorites of the show. Um, I was honestly more excited to see the Ford Ranger. That's because I had a 93 Ranger. For I had a 99 years. Ranger too, but that wasn't any good. Um, I loved my Ranger. And so I was really sad when Ford quit making the Ranger and very excited when I heard they were relaunching it. Um, I did sit in the new Ranger and it was exciting and disappointing at the same time because the ranger wasn't for a mid-sized pickup uh i found it lacking and that bed wasn't as big and as i wanted it to be i was hoping to see um but none of the mid-sized pickup beds are any bigger but the gladiator bed was bigger not much enough i think it would make a pretty big difference i know but it's the same size as a uh ridgeline it's the same size it doesn't have the trunk like the ridgeline which i know you're gonna say yeah that's just is really nice it has the same size as the ridgelines it's the same size as the tacos and it's the same size as the the canyon colorado but i think it's got a nicer interior than the canyon or the colorado yeah i i like the ranger a lot i mean i think it'll be a, a good truck and ford's gonna sell a lot of them um but when I saw the Gladiator, just in person, it was completely different than the photos. It just it looks much more trucky and sitting. I sat in the back seat. There's decent amount of room. Um, there, I sat in the the one with the cloth top, and the top was all the way back. And just sitting back there with you know um, nothing above you was quite a cool feeling, especially being in a truck. Um, so overall, I really like the the Ranger. The uh, um, Gladiator, I think they're they're gonna not be able to make enough of them. Um, FCA will, so I was really really glad about that. Um, next one was the Continental Coach Door Edition. I just love the Continental um, in general. I think it's such a stunning and beautiful car, and you know it's a luxury car, it's supposed to be ambiance and just absolute. You know, surround you with just complete sheer presence on the road and the continental has that and especially the coach door edition just seeing that car with the doors both 
doors opened up like that's a huge presence like imagine pulling up to the curb and getting out on the back of the continental everyone's just gonna like stop and be like whoa who are you when we're so, when we're in, internet famous next year that's how we're rolling up yes, to the auto show we're gonna in our connie coach door 2020 in a connie coach with the three five eco boost spooling like mad yeah so forward if you want to set us up we will be glad to do that um and my next one, my next favorite car on the list, which Paul completely detests, uh, is the disgusting. Ma- is the Mahindra Mirazo? I think that's how you pronounce it. But that that one was cool. Like first off, the Mahindra booth, you know, it was all Roxers, and then they had this big, which are dumb too. I like the Roxer. The Roxer are so dumb. No, it's cool. It's a it's a brand new Willys Jeep. But it's not road legal. It doesn't matter. It's a. Well, why would you not buy a razor or something else better? Because it do, it doesn't have that retro coolness like the Roxer does. I mean, it looks like you're pulling up in World War II era. Like you're, what? You're pulling up to your house from what your barn? Yeah. You can't go anywhere. If you have property, it makes perfect sense. Throw the dog in the back. But it's gonna ride like a bag of wieners because it has freaking leaf springs on it. So do a lot of older trucks. Yeah, but those can go down the road. I like the Roxer. I think it's cool. I would totally buy one if I had the money and a large piece of land. I think it would be a great addition to just outdoor adventure. I think they're a huge waste of money, but moving on to his Don minivan. So buried at the back of the Mahindra booth, away from all the sight. It's like they were hiding it, which... Because it's so ugly. It's not. It's It's... Paul, you have to, like, from an engineering standpoint, it's really cool because it is a body-on-frame, front-wheel drive, diesel minivan designed here in our great state of Michigan. In Ann Arbor. Yeah, in Ann Arbor. I mean, it's the only body-on-frame, front-wheel drive vehicle out there on the road. And, like, just the pure engineering side of it, it is really a cool feat of engineering. And that's why I really like that. It's got the same motor as the Roxor in it, doesn't it? I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, I didn't look up the motor specs, but um, someone correct us on that on the email. Yeah, but I think it's. I think it's just the engineering side. I thought it was really cool. I'm happy to see that Mahindra is using tapping into um, North American, you know, engineers and um, designers to design that vehicle, and I, that's why I really liked it. I, you know, a lot of these shows. Always the big, flashy, most fastest vehicles get a lot of the press. And um, I always like to, being from an engineering background, um, those things really pique my interest more. So that's why I really liked uh, the Mirazzo. And um, I was disappointed I couldn't sit in it, but um, I was glad I got to see it. So. Speaking of disappointing why you can't sit in it. <laughs> Paul, move. what was the most disappointing thing about the show? We both had this on ours. Toyota had every single vehicle that anyone would want to sit in locked, except the like the the ones that sell the Camry. Well, they had one Camry unlocked. They had one new Rav Four unlocked, and they had one Taco unlocked. Yeah, and one Tundra. But, but all the new TRD spec sedans were locked. The, the new Corolla was locked. The new Corolla was locked, sedan and hatch. hatch which we both were disappointed because we really liked the new Corolla hatch. I think the new Corolla hatch is sweet. Yeah. But we couldn't sit in it. All, new soup. Which, which that's weird because on the car said proto, locked for proto. Uh, it's a prototype vehicle locked. 
but that doesn't make any sense because it's already on the road. It's like, yeah, you I can saw buy one. one. Yeah, so that was dumb. very dumb. And the new Supra was locked, which I can kind of understand that. You yeah, like, you couldn't sit in the, the new. You can't sit in like the new GT five hundred or the new Camaro or whatever. I get those, but like, why would you rock lock the new Corolla hatch? Like it's a Corolla hatch. Yeah, it's a Corolla. <laughs> but like, I don't know. It was dumb. We we both were very disappointed. We just, were there with five of us, and we all thought it was really dumb. No yeah, one understood it. The whole the, I was very sad with the Toyota booth. Um, it's one of the biggest booths there, and yeah. it was one of the most disappoint, disappointing booths there. I also felt like it had like least amount of cars per square footage. They had a to, lot of wasted space. Yeah, compared to FCA and Ford. And then they had their weird prototype vehicles, but like I, I like Toyotas. Toyotas are one of my favorite brands of cars, but I was really disappointed with their showing at 2019 NAIAS. Same. Um, for me, besides the Toyota booth, uh, the XT6 was a complete yawn. Like, next to the Aviator, it looks like a Chevy Traverse. I mean, it is a Chevy Traverse with the Cadillac badge, and a lot has been said about just the XT6, the fact that it lacks Super Cruise, and um, they didn't push the envelope for design or performance, and I feel like it was just a half-hearted attempt from GM to get a three-row SUV out there. I mean, they're going to sell well, but it's it's not special. I mean, there's nothing, up, there's nothing that would make you buy that over the Aviator or even the new Explorer. Yeah, and like it, I think it looks too much like the X-T4 and whatever the SRX is called, X-T5. I don't know. The don't names know. are so dumb. Like, you know, yeah, the names are dumb. So the, no, like, unless, unless you get the GM employee discount, there's zero reason to go buy that over... Basically, any of the other three-row SUVs. Yeah, I mean, you could, I guess you could argue they've got some, maybe some more of the bugs worked out, but it's still a Cadillac. It's gonna have electrical issues. Yeah, how's that cue working for people? Yeah, those Magna Ride shocks ten years down the road. Well, people who buy Cadillacs don't keep them that long, Paul. I don't know. My old boss had one, and he had to put like six grand into shocks back on the stupid car to keep it bouncing down the road. <laughs> but all right. What well, and then? What uh, was my, your other most disappointing thing? Most disappointing, which um, was the new Supra. I was <clears throat> happy to see it there, but I was disappointed to the fact that it's mainly a BMW. I mean, Toyota's done a lot of work on their own, but it's a BMW engine. The interior looks like it's lifted straight out of a BMW. Um, Toyota is a powerhouse for engineering and i was i was sad to see them not come to the table with a toyota design supra so the toyota supra was also on my most disappointing um from the time i was 16 years old until about three months ago my family had a 1985 toyota supra which was the car i really learned how to drive a not i wouldn't say fast car but how to drive a sporty car in and um um i loved that car it was a lot of fun um so i was very eager to looking forward to the new supra and i was disappointed in it for different reasons than isaac um i think they missed a lot of the key features from the ft1 concept transferring it into the supra mainly that rear wing the rear wing on the on the ft1 is just gorgeous and they does it even does it do something on I think the, I think it might be or is it just for active on the one, but, but the new okay. Supra doesn't have a rear wing. It's just like yeah. a f- 
buck, it's got that little ducktail ducktail little lip. Yeah, dumb. That all cars have today. And the other thing, Isaac wasn't disappointed in this, but I was really disappointed is is they added five horsepower from nineteen ninety four to current. Yeah. But like, if you go by horsepower per year, that's a pretty pathetic gain. Like I was. Yeah. I was really hoping for 400 plus, 450 really is what I was really hoping that they could hit that number because that would make it competitive with the other things. But right now it's just a glorified, you know, well, Z4, Z4. but really in Toyota's lineup, it's just a glorified uh, GT86. Well, it's not any, it's completely different than the GT86. Well, they're the same size with very similar power levels. The four-cylinder version sold in Japan makes less horsepower than the GT86. I'm not in Japan. Well, yeah. Anyways. But I <clears throat> I think they, they missed the mark on the horsepower number, and I think they missed the mark on the car. Now, I have not driven one, so I can't give you my full opinion on it until I've driven it. Now, it could be amazing. I don't know. So I've driven a couple of the newer BMWs, and they do drive fantastic, but it's just... I I I I had to drive it. What BMWs have you driven? I drove a Z4. When? Uh, one of my professors had one, and <laughs> <laughs> I bribed him to let me drive it. <laughs> it was his wife's car. He's like, I don't care. You can take it on the block. I didn't know that. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Uh, what else did you not like? Um, I really missed the German cars. Yeah, it was there, quite sad. Yeah, there was no BMW there other than the Supra. There was there was Volkswagen. There was Volkswagen, so you, you know you got there was Volkswagen, but there was no Audi, which they're the same group, so I'm not sure why they weren't there. And yeah. there was no Mercedes. So I think I was you know I was really hoping to see some sort of an AMG or you know something something out of the M lineup or you know something some sort of S or some out of yeah. Audi. I don't know. There was just nothing there. Audi had one of my favorite booths last year. They, I think they were. No, I was surprised at their pricing, and I was really impressed with their vehicles. And this year, they just weren't even there. So that was disappointing to me. That basically an entire spectrum of cars was not at the show. Yeah, I remember from past years, the German booths always had a lot of traffic in them. Um, just, I mean, a lot of those cars are out of people's price range. So that's really one of the few times that they get to see them and be around them. And so I think they really missed out. A big mark, um, not having a presence there at the show. Yeah, that was disappointing. Um, so, with covering up our disappointments, let's move to our honorable mention honorable favorite cars. Mentions. What's your honorable mention, Isaac? Uh, honorable mention, um, I'm going to go with, I was really surprised to see it there, and I thought it was really cool, was the Kia stinger australian police spec version that was so. a pretty cool car i liked the bagged kia stinger next to it a little <laughs> bit more but you know i, I, I like the wrap on it and stuff yeah. but that police spec one was very sweet i i just i really love the, the look of the stinger i think it it's got a cool name it's looks cool it's a hatchback it's roomy all the reviews on it seem to be great and but just, if q wants to let us drive one we'll be happy to review yeah, it. yeah the, the the police spec version i think is really we'll even drive the poverty spec version yeah the poverty spec um so i really liked that um i was surprised to see that there and um yeah it was cool um my honorable mention was actually another thing that's very much out of my wheelhouse of vehicles that i'm super excited about if you knew me, I'm usually all about it's either got to have a whole lot of horsepower or it's got to be a three-quarter ton diesel truck. Yeah, that's but, how you operate. But um, uh, 
My fa- my honorable mention was actually <laughs> the Volkswagen Atlas. Yes, I really liked that car. Yeah, it was. I was the first time for both of us crawling around the Atlas. I, I mean, I'm a big dude. I'm six foot four and you know over 250 pounds. I'm a big dude, and I fit in the back seat of that car. Yeah, it was comfy. It was spacious. Headroom was good. Yeah, knee leg room was good. I think it looks great. Um, yeah, I, I understand why Volkswagen sells a lot of them. I really liked it. I did not think I was going to enjoy it. I don't really like the the Tiguan, Torig, whatever it is. Tiguan. I don't, I don't really like Tori. Torig. <laughs> Torig. Oh. Yeah, I don't really like the Tiguan very much. Um, but uh, I've ridden in them, and I just wasn't a huge fan. But the, the Atlas, I was... I was colored me you, impressed. You were impressed, and it takes Paul a lot to be impressed when it's not a sports car or a heavy duty pickup. He got out of it and was like, "Huh, I really like this." So, so I will say this is completely dumb, and no one cares. But it looks like it's going to be a not very fun time trying to change the serpentine belt on that rig. Yeah, the motor is buried, and there's about one inch between the front shock tower and the front tensioner. And it's not going to be fun fishing that sucker out of there. Yeah. But other than that, it looked like a great car. Yeah. So I would be happy to drive one of those around yeah. for Volkswagen for a while. And, you know, on the note of three-row crossovers, that seemed to be like the theme of this year's show yeah. almost. I really like the new Explorer, too. The new Explorer was there. The new Aviator was there. The, Which is an Explorer. Yeah. The Hyundai Palisade was there. The Kia Telluride was well, there. We should talk about the Telluride. We should. So we did the Telluride ride. Which, which was... It was okay. I, I mean, it was disappointingly short for how long we had to wait in line. Yeah. And they basically wanted to know your social security number to get in the car. And nothing, it was kind of odd. We all commented about this, but it sounded like the shocks in the car were about shot. The every t- So you kind of came off this weird, like, off, off camber ledge where it would drop out the driver's side rear tire and every time it dropped out it like it didn't come to the bottom like you would expect it to it like shock slapped that bottom hard yeah and it sounded like the front of my buddy jake's cavalier that would have been welded on about three times front of my saturn that's spent its whole life on gravel roads so it did not sound healthy (laughs) and also they had fake exhaust noise coming through the speakers was it fake I, I don't think that motor made that sound. Well, from, I could be wrong. From standing on the show floor, it sounded good. It sounded impressive. But yeah. I, I'm not sure how much real that was. But they did have axle dumps on the, the cars, which I'm pretty sure they're not going to come factor with axle dumps. So they could have something done different to the exhaust because no one sells a car with an axle dump. What is an axle dump? An axle dump is where the exhaust just does a turn down right over top of the rear axle. Oh, okay. So that's what cheap people do on cars when they don't want to pay for a tailpipe and they really enjoy breathing in noxious gases. Hmm. But yeah, the Telluride, or yeah, Telluride. I think it looks sharp. Um, I liked it. No, I think, I when I say I think they look sharp, I think the modified ones with beefy tires and bumpers and yeah, LED yeah. light bars were sharp. Yeah. I think the factory ones look a little frumpy. A little frumpy. I, I mean, they're trying to... It's Kia's Explorer. That's what it is. Yeah. And they'll sell a lot of them. They'll, they will sell a lot of them. I'm sure they will. But um, I think just but kind of going on in the modified ones, I think the new Ranger is sharp, but I think the modified ones they had there for sale were 
10 times sharper looking. They all had BDS suspension and stuff on them. And especially the Baja spec one they had there. I, if they sold that, I would consider taking out more student loans and going and buying one <laughs> because that was a really cool truck. And I really like that two, three RS motor that's in those. It's a sharp truck. I will I, I do I do like the Ranger. Um, so, I do like the Gladiator better. I think the Gladiator was a cooler vehicle, but I think the Ranger will probably sell more. Well, I I think the Ranger will sell more people looking for trucks. I think the Gladiator will sell more to 22-year-old girls getting their dad to buy them something to take to college. Probably. It depends on how they price the Gladiator. They haven't come out with pricing yet. The Ranger starts at, uh, I think the extended cab two-wheel drive XL starts at like 25000 So. No, what does it start at to get in a four-door, four-wheel X- drive? XLT, I think it's... I don't care if it's XLT, just four-wheel drive. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Dang it, Isaac. You're supposed to know these things off the top of your head. Sorry, Paul. Failure. But uh, what other... other? We we sat in a lot of three-row crossovers this I year. I feel like that was the theme of the show. It was. We sat in the Highlander. The Highlander wasn't terrible, but it wasn't... There's, I, found, I was surprised at how little backseat room. It was kind of crunched. What was the vehicle I almost broke your legs in? That was the... <laughs> <laughs> That was the Volkswagen Tiguan. Oh, yeah. So I tried to stick version. Isaac in the third row of the Volkswagen Tiguan we, and slam the seat back on him. We have this thing where Paul's a big guy, and I'm like five, five six maybe, and like 140 pounds. He's so. a short stack. Yeah. So the thing is, I crawl in the third row, and can Isaac sit behind Paul? And the answer was not in the Tiguan. No. <laughs> the, the sound the seat made when I hit his legs, I was pretty sure I broke his seat, the seat or the legs. Yeah, I, it was not not comfortable. So, but I, the passport. I like the passport. What do you think of the passport? I never sat in the passport. Oh well, I think I was too sharp. busy looking at the Talon, which is not part of this show that much. But I am a big side by side guy, or UTV, however you say it in your state, but. Um, well, Isaac's looking at Ford Ranger specs. I'll talk about the Talon a little bit because that was at the auto show. Um, the Talon is Honda's new offering for a, a sport side by side. They've had the Pioneer and some other ones before that, which are like sport utility, utility side by sides. But this is their first one. It's really geared towards competing with the Yamaha YXZ. So it has very similar suspension travel rates. Um, and, uh, unlike the Polaris, the Articat, and the Can Am, it uses a which I'll use CVTs, uh, belt driven transmissions. It uses a dual clutch six speed automatic, which I was very uh, enticed by. I think that's very cool. And I, if you know me, I, everything I own shreds belts. So uh, <laughs> anything to get rid away from belts is a good thing for me. Quite frequently, we should add. Uh, yeah, everything I own shreds belts quite frequently. But um. Uh, knock on wood, my Corolla hasn't shredded a belt yet. Um, but uh, um, the Talon, the thing, the thing, I biggest thing didn't like about it is the way the door sat. There was nowhere to put your left arm. There's just it was like like you, you felt like a gimp sitting in there. Like there's nowhere to put it. It felt there's no armrest. There's no armrest, and like my Razor, the door comes to the perfect height where my arm can sit on top of the door and drive with the steering wheel. And then some of the other ones, the door's a little bit lower, so you just hold on the steering wheel or you rest your arm down on the door. Yeah. This one, the door came up to, like, just under my shoulder, so there was nowhere to put my arm, and there's no rest for it either, and there was, it wasn't wide enough to, like, set it by my side. It just wasn't enough room in that cab. 
So I thought that was kind of dumb. And the paddles felt like very flexy. Like if I pulled them too hard, the paddle shifters, I felt like I could snap them off into my hands. Which is not very normal Honda quality. No, that's that's very surprising. No, Honda usually prides themselves with their quality on cars and and off-road vehicles. Like we have a 1970 Honda 70 that, if I put it back together, because it's taken apart, it would probably start still. <laughs> but it's really freaking cold here, so it probably won't start right now. But it is uh, snowing profusely outside. And yeah, nice lake effect snow. Very cold. Yeah. But... Moving on from the side-by-side world. But if you have any more side-by-side questions, want to know more about side-by-sides, shoot us an yeah, email. Paul, yeah. I want, love to talk about side-by-sides, Paul, snowmobiles, yeah. chainsaws. I don't. If it's got an engine, let's talk. RC cars. You want to talk about Saturns or Fieros? Send an email to me. There's probably one person. Yeah, there's one person. There's way more people that like chainsaws than Saturns. Yeah, dang it. <laughs> uh, the Ford Ranger XLT version four-wheel drive super crew because this is really the the lowest ford ranger you would want to buy yeah super crew five foot box is thirty four thousand one hundred and fifteen dollars that's without destination the xl so that's if you're paying sticker price so you could probably get that for about 33 xl which has steel wheels vinyl seats i don't care about that which that's the one i would buy is thirty thousand six hundred four-wheel drive mm-hmm Oh, uh, that's acceptable. Yeah. So you could get the uh, what the what's the SR? No, what do they call that package on the XL trucks? Oh, the XL, remember. the uh, the S. It's, it's STX. STX package. I bet. I think you can get yeah. that on the XL Super Crew. I'd get yeah. that version. So, uh, being from a snowy state, a rear wheel drive only pickup truck is, is very just, useless yeah, to me. It's so useless in general. I mean, I mean, if you live in Florida and you're just gonna like you know fly around to the parts store or whatever, you know, get your two wheel drive truck. There's no reason to get four wheel drive if you live down south, unless you're gonna go off roading yeah. or you're gonna venture up into the mountains to go skiing or whatever. Yeah, but from here. A, a two-wheel drive pickup truck is essentially pointless. Yes. Now, sports cars are a different story because you'll store them in the winter, but everyone drives their trucks here except for me. I store my truck in the winter and get out my two-wheel drive car. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I've really... Two-wheel drive trucks are pointless to me. I Unless they're really fast. Th- there's something like a about a, a true, compact, two-wheel drive, long box pickup. I, I don't know. My, my dad had an 85 Mitsubishi... Uh, Mighty Max diesel and it was two wheel drive long box eight foot bed. It was just amazing. You could just throw lumber in it all day long and didn't have to worry about it. I don't ever haul lumber. Well, some people do, Paul, and you haul other stuff that's long, like move. I used it to move once. I don't know, but the lumber store down the road for me will deliver for five bucks. What? Yeah, that's. Why can't they be closer to my house? <laughs> I don't even have a truck. I got to call you. Yeah, you, Isaac calls me. Hey, can you come over and help me move a dresser? <laughs> sure. I try to haul things with my Saturn, and it doesn't really end well. But <laughs> I still can't believe you bought the same dresser that I already own. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a dresser in my dining room right now, and I bought it off Craigslist. And Paul helped me. He's like, hey, this is the same one I have. But people don't care about that. No, no one gives a crap about our dressers. <laughs> Um, um, so I think we got just one more thing left on the, on the list, unless you have any other things. Well, you do your other thing and I'll think about if I have anything else. Okay. So 
Random car fact, because Paul and I are full of random car facts that nobody honestly cares about. Um, so random car, we're going to try to do one an episode. If you know the answer, you are on our level of coolness, maybe? Or dork. <laughs> or dork, yeah, that's a better word. What, in 2019, there are two cars sold today, brand new, that you can get with a four-speed automatic. What are they? I'll give you a few seconds to think. Jeopardy music. So the two cars are, if you guessed, a Toyota Yaris liftback or hatchback. I'm not sure what they call it. Not the Yaris sedan, which is the Mazda 2. That was our conversation over dinner, yes. whether that's a good car or not. It's a great car, and I would totally buy one. I would not buy a Yaris hatchback, but I would buy a Mazda 2 or Yaris sedan. Anyways. So the Yaris hatchback comes with a four-speed auto, which in our Toyota announced today they're discontinuing, and the Dodge Journey with the four with the four-cylinder. I think that car's been around. Well, I think it came out in 2007. So how old were you, Paul, in 2007? 2007. Were you 10? I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little older than that. Isaac likes to hate on me. <laughs> yeah, I was 10 in 2007. Wow. I, I, re- I remember when that car came out. I was like, I'm what, four years older than you? So I've been 14. Yeah, you've been 14. Yeah. But so there you go. Fun fact of the night. So you can go uh, tell everyone you know about that lovely information. And now I have one more section to add that uh, we're going to try to do every week, and that is cool tools. What is the cool tool of this week? So the cool tool for this week is a little bit different than you, know, you might expect for cool tools. It's a little more generic, but I bought so one. How's it cool then? I, uh, it, it's amazing, actually. I bought it on Black Friday, and um, if you know me, I like quality tools, but I don't necessarily have to have all snap-on. But I feel like some people hate Snap-on because they're like, oh, they're so expensive and dumb. But I feel like there are some things you can have for Snap-on that are like really good. But there's also things you can buy at like Harbor Freight or that kind of stuff, which will work perfectly fine. So I'm, I mean, I love, I actually have one of the Harbor Freight uh, U.S. General Pro toolboxes. It's a nice toolbox, and it's been. I've had that thing for almost eight years now, and that thing has not let me down once. And I, yeah. It's great. The drawers haven't fallen out. No, they've all they all still move like butter. But this week's cool tool comes from Tecton. Tecton. Tecton is a part of Michigan Industrial Tools, but um, they're actually sold at Meyer. If you know what a Meyer is, it's like a Walmart, but or like a cross between if you're from Iowa, a Hy-Vee and a Walmart. I don't know what a Hy-Vee is. So, but it is their three eighths inch drive, twelve inch long. Flex head, quick connect, bent handle ratchet. So bent I'll go through. Ratchet. I'll go through that again. It's a three eighths inch drive by twelve inch flex, quick release, bent handle ratchet. What What's the purpose of having this? So it is a. It's got the flex head on the end, which helps you get into weird spots. But then it comes out about six seven inches, and then the handle bends up at about a thirty degree. Oh, and interesting. Um, it really helps when you're in tight, weird spots to get out of the way of other stuff. So you can kind of tweak the handle with the flex head part, and it gets you out of the way. When I was doing glow plugs on my dad's truck a couple weeks ago, 
This thing saved me countless hours because the way it bent out of the way, it prevented me from having to remove up pipes and it prevented me from having to remove um, one of the turbochargers to get out, to get into the, where I had to go because it bent just in the right spot. And it also helped me when I was changing the turpentine belt on my Corolla because I do belts on everything. It uh, prevented me from having to discharge my AC system. So this uh, the uh, the item number from Tecton is SRH33112. Um, How much does it cost? It is For the 3H drive, it is $28. For the half-inch drive, where it's now 14-inch long, it's $35. I got it on Black Friday for 50% off because all Tecton was 50% off at Meijer. So for... 14 bucks or whatever i couldn't turn it down yeah but it's got 90 teeth in it so it's super super responsive it's got um nine position head that's got the ball locator in it so it sticks in place really well and that it just slick it really really helps a lot in weird situations so if you're looking for a present for your local gearhead or you just want some present new for tool, yourself present for yourself <laughs> i'm always up for buying a present for myself check yeah. out the new tecton We'll include that. Well, it's in not the necessarily brand new, but it is really good. So, um, that's all I got with cool that's, tools. We should. So, we should probably tell people how they can get a hold of us. So, you can get a hold of us at our email, which is shiftin s h i f t n gears podcast at gmail dot com. So it's s h i f t n G E A R S P O D C A S T at Gmail dot com. So shoot us an email. Um one of the things we'd really like you to email us about are your questions. We'd yes, love to be able to do a question like, and answer session. Yes. So shoot Lots us an email with all your questions. Cars anything you want to buy, crappy economy boxes you got a saturn question my chilton manual is literally in my dining room so if you gotta talk about you know your life problems even shoot us an email uh, i think we want to stay away from yeah those. we don't want your life problems unless they unless they're all your cars because yeah. all my life problems revolve around my cars Same. you know you want to talk about snowmobiles side by sides i love talking about rc cars i love rc cars so anything that's got an engine and tires Shoot us an email. Shoot us questions. Questions, or you just want to chat. Let yeah. us know. So we also have um, social media. We have Shifting Gears Podcast on, on Instagram. On Instagram. Soon to have a Facebook page. It'll be Shifting Gears Podcast on Facebook. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll be downloading this to iTunes and Spotify and Google Play Store. So please hit subscribe. Um, please share this to anyone else you know who has an interest in car stuff. Um, we love feedback. So if you want to see us do something, a topic you want us to talk about, um, send it our way. We will pursue it and bring it to you guys for your entertainment so enjoyment. If your question needs to be answered immediately, like, how do I change my water pump? Cause my car died last night. We will respond to you immediately. And then we will also just talk about it on the next show. Yeah. So if you need to answer it immediately, put immediately in your email somewhere. So we don't wait three weeks and then answer it. And you yeah. have issues for three weeks. Or you bought a different car or you bought a different car already, or you need car advice and you're going car shopping today. We'll try to respond as yeah. quickly as possible. Buy a Mazda, buy a Ford buy or a, a Toyota. I'm a Mazda man. So, 
I try not to be as biased as I am, really, but... Paul is very biased. Ford or Toyota, that's all he... If it's not made by those two, he doesn't like it. Is that it? I had an FCA in my favorite list. You you did. And I really liked your Dart. I had a Dodge Dart. 2013 Dodge Dart with the multi-air turbo on a six-speed manual. He hated it. I loved it. But that's another conversation. that's a later night. We can talk about cars we disliked. So, yeah, shoot us an email with your questions, comments, anything else you want to talk about. If you made it this far, we thank you for listening. (laughs) We know we're freaking weird. (laughs) So, yeah, have a fantastic rest of your day. And And thanks uh, for listening. Have a good night. See you next time.